Rose nice to me yesterday. If oh. you were on Twitter, th- this uh-huh. wouldn't be an issue. Oh, that's okay? what it is. That's, uh-huh. that's what it is. 100%. Welcome in, everybody. Episode 2 of the Important Nonsense Podcast. I am Steve Bonham. You can find me on Twitter at uh, Nonsense underscore Steve. I am joined, as always, by Mr. Neil Smith at Nonsense underscore Neil, which I still believe has no posts. Is that accurate, Neil? I was too busy writing the article for the fancy site to actually be bothered. Yes. To uh, to do anything with that. And, oh, uh, fair so enough. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's where we are. I, I spent... All my time slaving away over making that, making sure that article was correct yeah. for the people. You know, for the slaving people. away over a hot keyboard. That's right. All well, it's also because for the people. For a look behind the curtain, I actually wrote that article, and then I've already started writing the article for this week. So that's the plan. Is hopefully that will be done in advance, so I can get on Twitter and set all that up properly and start doing all that. Fair enough. Also uh, new to the program, you can follow us now on the Fantasy Life app. And uh, our name on the Fantasy Life app is just Important Nonsense. Easy enough, right? That has all of our stuff on there, and you can follow all of our our links to the site and our articles and podcasts and everything through that. So welcome to any new listeners Love the fantasy. From, the, from the Fantasy Life app. So very excited to be doing that. Uh, today we are going through the vets. Last week we did rookies. If you didn't hear that fantastic show, please go back and listen to it. The uh, Objectively Hilarious show, which was, you know... <laughs> Objectively hilarious. You can't argue with that. I had too much to drink before we recorded that. <laughs> so, we had the celebration party for the launch of the website. It, it all just yeah. So last week rookies, today vets, and uh, we we have a ton to get to. So let's just go ahead and jump right into it, Neil. Of course, we have quarterbacks at the top, but none really of note this off season that, that changed places. A lot stayed where they already were. Uh, the biggest going right now is Jay Cutler, who's going 24, which tells you all you need to know about the quarterbacks yeah. that were available in free agency. Cutler currently the 24th quarterback off the board, going undrafted in most drafts, and mainly that's because he's taking over in Miami for the Dolphins after the injury to Tannehill, which, as I was saying before, probably meant the end of his season, and we found out Earlier this week, that's exactly what it is. He's having the surgery to repair that. So no real surprise there. But Jay Cutler, the starting quarterback, does, it obviously doesn't move the needle for him. Does it do anything for you for the Dolphins players themselves? Let's be clear. He's not being drafted. It's not because of the Ryan Tannehill thing. It's because his name is Jay Cutler. Right? He wasn't being drafted when he was still on the Bears. So, mm-hmm. uh, no, I'm not, I'm not really interested in Jay Cutler. But that is, to your actual point, I don't think it does anything to the Dolphins players because he's he's what he's marginally worse than Ryan Tannehill I think mm-hmm. we can agree but sure. not oh well, he's probably a little bit better than Matt Moore look I expected to I expected to look about the same and just with one small difference possibly maybe which is Jay Cutler as we know is famous for just locking on to one guy and just force feeding the football to that guy in all situations doesn't matter what the coverage is Elshon Jeffrey springs to mind immediately and Brandon Marshall mm-hmm. for a while Brandon there. Brandon Marshall in the red yeah. zone, yeah. So you can just you can just kind of count on it. So just the question is, who is that guy? Is it Jarvis Landry? I think it is. The, it's been him in the past. He's the best pass catcher they have, I would argue, still. Mm-hmm. Even though they have a couple good ones, they've got they've got a few good ones. I, I just I think what it does is there's going to be one guy that 
really benefits from this, and it's going to subtract from everybody else on the Dolphins, potentially, because just, you just know how Jay Cutler is. He doesn't spread the ball around. But it doesn't hurt JJ. Just That's really it. The second half of last year, remember last season, the Dolphins started, what was it, like 1-5, something horrendous. It was 1-5, And they ended five, up coming yes. back and making the playoffs. And the reason for that is because Adam Gase started instituting his dip-and-dunk offense that he used with the Bears that worked so successfully there, which is basically, hey, you're a guy prone to turnovers, so here's a couple of five-yard passes. Don't turn the ball over. Mm -hmm. And what that meant when Cutler was on the Bears and Gase was the offensive coordinator there was a lot of short-range targets to Matt Forte, Alshon Jeffrey, Brandon Marshall, right by the line of scrimmage, and the tight end. So what interests me now is, more so than anything before, I would say the running back catching the ball out of the backfield. Unfortunately, I don't know if that's going to be Ajayi or if that's the third down back, which is still Kenyon, Williams. Kenyon Drake is my guess. Or Kenyon Drake, yes, sorry. Kenyon Drake so is my I, guess for that job eventually. Right, so I, I'm not sure if that benefits Ajayi more or if it's Drake, you know, whoever the pass-catching running back may be. I think it benefits uh, think, Ajayi theoretically mm-hmm. if... He can catch. Right. So he's going to get some, some opportunities early in the season, I think. Yeah, I think if there's any kind of consequence or flyer to take on this, it's Julius Thomas. Simply because right now he's undrafted, and he's a guy you can get on waivers after your draft is over, and Jay Cutler loves to throw to the tight end. That's his True. thing. It he means made Zach, he made Miller, Zach Miller who he is. Yeah, so... Yeah. I mean, Jay Cutler to the tight end, that's his safety blanket. If he's not thrown down to the running back, which is, remember, Matt Forte had the most catches of anyone in a single season the last time that Adam Gase was the coordinator with Jay Cutler. So mm-hmm. I'm saying look for the pass catching from the running backs and the tight end. So move the needle a little bit on those guys for me. But, yeah, like you said, other than that, Jarvis Landry wasn't catching much beyond five yards anyway. I, so, I don't think it hurts Jarvis Landry at all. I yeah, think Jarvis I think it Landry doesn't is hurt the same thing. About the same. Yeah. I think I think he'll be about the same, and he was already getting in their old offense like plus twenty five plus percentage of team target share to begin with. Correct. Yep. So I think basically it's just kind of Jarvis Landry doesn't move. I'm a little more leery of guys like Demorier Stringfellow from the preseason, mm-hmm. uh, Devontae Parker. Eh, I don't know about that. He well, he's got to get on the field. So, yeah, right. some of those guys, not so much. But I think if you're looking at Landry, you're probably safe, and to your point, maybe bump up a Jai a couple spots, there maybe or maybe don't, and there's a a new Dolphins running back at some point if it's a waiver wire hit that we'll figure out as we go. The only other quarterback note I have is Mike Glennon to the Bears. He was the big free agent acquisition out there, taking <laughs> over that Jay Cutler role. And, I mean, it sounds ludicrous, but remember the second half of the year last year when the Bears were so terrible, Matt Barkley was fantasy relevant the second half of last season. So it's not completely out of the realm of possibility. Buys and injuries, but I would think... The issue is, when you look at it right now, Glennon's going as quarterback 35, Trubisky's going as quarterback 27, and I agree with that. Eventually, Trubisky is going to have this job. We just don't know when. And I'm not interested in owning both of them so I can just have the Bears quarterback whenever it's there. Like There's so many better options out there that I don't think it affects really taking either one of them at QB, and I don't think it really affects the value of any of the Bears offensive players either. Nope. Just like all Bears fans, I'm just waiting for Mike Lennon to continue to look terrible. And then by about week nine, we'll get to see if Mitchell Trubisky can do any better. Absolutely. We'll like, you can say whatever you want, but with that Bears system, I mean... 
like like I just said, Matt Barkley made those guys fantasy relevant the second half of last year, and I would say that Glennon, as bad as he's looked, is a better prospect than Matt Barkley is. Yeah. I would keep the Bears exactly where they are no matter who that QB is just because of the system. So we're going to move on next to uh, to tight ends because, you know, there's not a lot of tight end movement as well. The biggest name of note was Martellus Bennett going to the Green Bay Packers, and we get suckered into this every year. Like, oh, the Packers finally have... You people get suckered into this every year. ...a reliable year. tight end that... Uh, I, I am you know, completely not on that train at all. No, I've never been on a Packers tight end since Tremichael Finley burned me, like, back in 2007. That's so right, I'm you learned good. your lesson way back then, because there, there <laughs> is good. no... Yeah, no, believe me, but there, I, to your point, I understand, yes. People it's, buy it's the narrative of the Green Bay Packers tight end. The Packers that's saying, finally, oh, a tight end we know, and I, I remember just, Jared Cook catching the one relevant pass he ever caught down the sideline. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we have this uh, discussion every year, too. Not only is it a tight end you know, it's Martellus Bennett. And what do we say every single season about Martellus Bennett, Neil? You get, like, five good games, it's all front-loaded, and then that's the end exactly. of it. Exactly. The, the Martellus first four Bennett games career. of the year, you get, like, he's tight end one or two. He yep. has huge games in the and first four weeks. And then you need to trade him by week five. And then you all of a sudden, from week five beyond, he's either hurt and misses games or he's just irrelevant in the offense. Somebody younger is taking no, his role. He's hurt, and he's just not hurt bad enough to not play. So he right. limps out there and goes one mile an hour. He's a decoy. It also yeah. tells me everything I need to know, by the way. Everything I've ever said about Martellus Bennett is validated by Bill Belichick. Because he saw him for one season and then let him go. As much as I hate Bill Belichick, he's really good at knowing when to stay on something and when to let something go. And yeah. that tells me everything I need to know about where Bennett is in his career. So every single season, Martellus Bennett finishes as like a top 10 to top 12. He finishes as a tight end one, but it's because he puts up huge numbers in the first four or five weeks and then does nothing the rest of the season, but the total ends up putting him in the top 10 or 12. And I don't want any part of that. If you want to try to win the first couple weeks of your season and then sell high, that's what you are targeting. You're looking at Martellus Bennett. But right now, it's a he's going in round eight. That's insane. He's the ninety-fourth overall player and it's going insane. in uh, ESPN leagues. So I mean, I the see people drafting Rodgers and him, and I'm just like, enjoy losing by like week six. Here. No parts of that for that price. Nope. Uh, on the other side of it, we have Jack Doyle re-signing with the Colts. That's significant because Dwayne Allen, who was also there, remember they were competing with each other last season, got traded to the Patriots. In the offseason. So Dwayne Allen fills that Martellus Bennett role we were just talking about, but he's going as a tight end 27, currently undrafted, while Jack Doyle is going as tight end 18, 151 overall in the 13th round. So do either of those guys interest you at all? I'm good with Jack Doyle if Andrew, if I could figure out if Andrew Luck is going to play football, which is impossible because the Colts don't Mm -hmm. know that. Because the Colts are one of the worst franchises in history. That'll be in the article that I'm writing. (laughs) With Scott Tolzien, absolutely not. That being said, he might benefit under Scott Tolzien because where's Tolzien going to throw it? He can't throw it down the field. So he's going to have to just dump it off to Jack Doyle a hundred times. Maybe that's the offense. But with luck, I actually am fine with Jack Doyle because it's the 13th round. I'm comfortable with that level of risk there. Because the potential upside is if you could ever get the Colts tight end to be one guy, uh-huh. it would be like the t- 
top five guy in fantasy because they throw a lot to the tight end. Andrew Luck, also like Jay Cutler, uses the tight end as a giant security blanket. So if Luck is playing, I'm fine with that. You're going to need another tight end at some level. And uh, Dwayne Allen to the Patriots would interest me potentially if I went early on Gronk. Right. I'm not holding Dwayne Allen. There are other guys I like that you can get way down the list more than Dwayne Allen. Okay. Yeah, that was my next question. Is Dwayne Allen your Gronkowski handcuff, or is it just any other tight end if Gronk goes down? I think Dwayne Allen has to be the Gronk handcuff, and I think the Gronk handcuff actually makes sense when it's the right guy. Because you look at, again, Martellus Bennett, he looked good out out there before he got beat up. And I've seen Dwayne Allen look like a professional football player with the Colts. Sure. I would imagine that he could actually have a relevant fantasy role. It's just I don't know that you want him by himself. I think he's more the Gronk handcuff. Yeah, I'm going to pass on both guys, and here's why. Uh, So first with Dwayne Allen and the Gronk handcuff, the reason Martellus Bennett was such a great handcuff to him last year is because after Gronk went down, the other pass catchers were who? That's a good point. Okay, fair enough. Julian Edelman, and then a couple of rookies. Julian Edelman. Yeah, so. Pulp. (laughs) Right. So now this year they've added Brandon Cooks, and yeah, Amendola's healthy. They have so many options out there. Edelman's healthy again. backing up Gronk isn't really a big seller to me. I think you can find another tight end off waivers that'll fill in better than Dwayne Allen can. As for Jack Doyle, what was the narrative last year, remember, was give me every bit of Dwayne Allen I can get because it was him and Kobe Fleener that were fighting for Andrew Luck's touches. And Kobe Fleener goes to New Orleans, so now it's Dwayne Allen's job. And then all of a sudden, Jack Doyle comes out of nowhere, and it's still a two-tight-end set. So we may not even know who it is right now, but I, there, I figure some it's guy, still going to be a two-tight-end set, that you've never heard of and yet. some other guy is going to take away touches fair. from Jack Doyle because that's just the offense they run. Totally fair. That is the offense they've run. They've been running it for a long time. I don't see yep, them stopping So for that now. reason, I don't like either one of those guys, even undrafted or off waivers. I think you can get better options uh, somewhere else. I agree. There are a lot of really good options. Not necessarily that I wouldn't be interested in them, but I do agree also that if you're not interested in them, that's not going to kill you. Yeah, I believe you subscribe to the same theory I do when you're going into your draft. If you don't get one of the top three, four, maybe five at most tight ends, you're punting tight end. My list is like two guys this year, going into this year, because of Jordan Reed's injury stuff. So would that be Gronk and Kelsey? Okay, I guess it's three with Olsen. And Olsen. It's pretty much one of those guys, maybe Delaney Walker, if you could get him at the right price. Yeah, exactly. I would say Walker, four, and then Reed, five, if you could get him at an appropriate price. Because if he's healthy and right, then he's a game changer. Yes, and so is Delaney Walker. It's just I'm concerned about Delaney Walker's target share now exactly. because they've added so many additional weapons i don't know what his Absolutely. role is right now mm-hmm. so spending what i've seen people spend on him to me is a risky proposition because i could see a scenario where eric decker starts right. feasting in the red zone because they still are double covering walker yeah at this point delaney walker is going at 61 overall the sixth tight end which would put him in uh, just about the end of the fifth round start of the yeah. sixth round so i mean that's pretty high i'm more comfortable with him in the seventh round exactly so like that's what i'm saying if you can get him at an appropriate price then i'd be willing to take one of those top tier guys but if i have to overpay for him i'm basically punting i'm punting and i'm just going to look for guys down the ladder the nice thing about that is this is a year i would argue where you could stream tight end if you don't get one of those guys sure rather than paying a second or third round pick for one of those top tier guys i would rather take one or two flyers at the end of the draft on tight end 
and just hope one of them pans out. And if 100%. not, I'm sure I could find somebody off waivers. If it pans out, you found Hunter Henry or Jordan Reed when he was a rookie before you had to mm-hmm. pay the, the price tag. And th- those guys come around every once in a while, just to our point from before. They're usually not rookies. So all you people that are still drafting O.J. Howard, I just wish you luck. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> this is the one guy that can buck that trend because I saw him in college. He's amazing, but I've seen no a lot of No pun intended. Maybe it was intended. Maybe it was. Mommy! So uh, moving on to running back, we had uh, a couple of big names change teams this year, and it, it was mainly because of you know age and money. But the the biggest love of right your now, city, love of your city. Yes, yeah, Marshawn Lynch playing for his hometown Oakland Raiders, currently going as running back 11, 25th overall, which is the first pick of the third round. Now I don't hate that position for Marshawn Lynch. My fear is he was out all of last year, and while you can say, sure, he had a year off to you know recuperate and recover, he's behind a better offensive line. There's no doubt about that. It's running backs over 30. I know he had a year off, but uh, maybe it's going to take him a little bit of time to catch back up to NFL game speed. And when he was in the league a couple years ago, he wasn't great. He, he wasn't beast mode. He was a disappointment. You can say it's the offensive line all you want, but... Uh, I don't know if I'm buying into you know taking Marshawn Lynch at the top of the draft there. I'm not interested, by the way. Great NFL story. This is a move that I think is better for the Raiders than it is for people in fantasy football. In standard, okay. I'm much Good. more okay with this idea. In standard, in PPR, what evidence do I have that they're going to throw him the football? Ever. Right. Also, yeah, it's the best offensive line he's ever played behind in his entire career. Because I'll go back to Buffalo. They didn't have an offensive line either when he was there. Yeah. So, okay, you get a year off, but that's a high price tag for me for beast mode. Am I getting, like, the guy that I remember from a couple years ago, or am I just getting the guy who's just trying to play it out for Oakland as he's putting it before they go to Vegas? He's just here so he won't get fined. Great cash, homie. (laughs) Exactly. Randy gets it. Randy always got it. He knows. (laughs) He knows how it works. Now, last year, this was one of my value guys that I thought was being undervalued at his position, and he was being super undervalued this year, too, until Kenneth Dixon went down. But now Danny Woodhead is going at running back 18, 49th overall. He went super high. Just in the last week, he's jumped 10 spots in uh, ADP. So everybody's on the Danny Woodhead train. And I was all in on him. I, I know that you were high on Danny Woodhead, too. Oh, yeah. And uh, at running back 18, it's going to be difficult to get your hands on him this season. Yeah, I'm no longer really interested. It's kind of a shame. I, I'd almost rather be more interested in Terrence West, who I can get way later. And it's just Danny Woodhead's injury history now comes way back into play. I'm willing to accept his injury history later in the draft. Mm-hmm. This That's like I'm looking at a really high-end RB2-type payment plan for that. Right. Because of his injury history, it's a little skeptical. And again, when Kenneth Dixon was healthy, I liked Dixon. I liked Danny Woodhead later in the draft. Like I thought either one of them were pretty good value picks for where you were able to get them. But now the way Danny Woodhead has skyrocketed up the list, it's really tough to see me drafting Danny Woodhead as what may end up being my number one running back in that position. I don't know. I think somebody's going to be much more willing to pay that price than me. That's what I'm saying. I'm not going to end up owning Danny Woodhead a lot because I think he's going to get overdrafted too much. Right. Uh, Same can be said for this guy. (laughs) Again, this I think is mostly name at this point because it's Eddie Lacy to the Seattle Seahawks. Now the joke of the entire summer is the, uh, the weight, (laughs) the management that Eddie Lacy was getting the incentive to make. How much was it? Was it $55,000? 
It was roughly that, yeah, for every time he... For every time he had to target, yeah, I think he had three had of them. Target his weight. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna repeat the funniest thing I ever said. They go from beast mode to ala mode. Fatty Lacey goes to Seattle. That <laughs> was that was pretty brilliant. I like that. <laughs> At this point, Eddie Lacey is going as running back 24, 66 overall in the sixth round. And if you could guarantee me that Eddie Lacey was the starting running back and was gonna get the starting touches with Seattle, that O line is still not great. But despite that fact, Pete Carroll still loves to run the ball. So if you could tell me that Eddie Lacy was going to get the majority of the touches in that backfield, I'd say, okay, taking him at 24 in an RB2 position, I don't mind that so much. I kind of like it. The fact that everything coming out of Seattle camp is they really like the way Thomas Rawls has run the ball, and Thomas Rawls is currently running with the ones and the starter. He's projected as the game one starter right now for the Seattle Seahawks. And Lacey is going to be sharing carries and splitting time with him. And Lacey is going to go at 24. That's that's too high. If you could handcuff the two of them, basically, mm-hmm. like the two of them combined to be the starting running back in Seattle, and you were able to say, okay, well, this week we know for sure this guy is starting, that's a whole nother thing. But for the price point you're getting Eddie Lacey at, that's too rich for my blood. Yeah, you stole my whole thing because I pointed all this out to you. Here's a story for you, viewers. This I know. That's what I'm here do. for. He gets to do a pro football focus draft that no one else gets to do. And I'm telling him yesterday, you know, as we're just chatting back and forth, that, oh, hey, did you see Rawls got promoted on the Seahawks? It looks like he's penciled in to be the one. And then you don't even get to talk about it on the podcast. No, no, no. <laughs> now, to be fair, talk- I saw that about a week ago because I follow it on Twitter, and you would know that. Uh, he said pro size to me yesterday. If you oh. were on Twitter, th- this wouldn't uh-huh. be an issue. Oh, that's okay? what it is. That's, uh-huh. That's what it is. 100%. Anyway, as we're talking about here, Eddie Lacy's being drafted too high. Thomas Rawls looks like he's going to get his shot again. I make jokes about them hating Thomas Rawls, but it looks like I think they're finally resigned too. He looks better than the guy we just spent all this money on. Let's give him his shot again. And if he gets hurt again or he, he looks bad, they've got Eddie Lacy. I agree with you. I liked it earlier in mock drafts that I was doing when Eddie Lacy would fall way low right. and then no one knew about Rawls necessarily and you could get both of them. That was fantastic, but now that Rawls is on the rise and you, you are seeing, you can see how their ADP is moving up. Like Lacey, I expect to be going down over the next two right. weeks as we as we look at this. Like you were just saying, Rawls' current ADP is 47, running back yeah. 47, That's 154 overall like in the 14th round. What an amazing value! <laughs> right. Well, like you mentioned, it's kind of the the balance now. Eddie Lacey uh, is going in the sixth round on average. And Thomas Rawls is going in the 13th. And I'll mention more about my Pro Football Focus League next week when I have a conclusion for it. But we're in the ninth round, basically, and both Eddie Lacy and Thomas Rawls went almost back-to-back. <laughs> like, right in the middle. Like you said, here the ADP for Lacey is the sixth round, and somebody picked him up in the ninth thinking, oh, man, this is a crazy value. But Rawls is going in the 14th, and someone jumped up and got him in the ninth. So they're starting to get closer because people are realizing, hey, maybe we should be flip-flopping this, and I think the ADP is going to balance out in the next week or so. Yeah, so that'll be interesting actually heading into the season. You may not actually get a whole lot of clarity on that because there's also ProSize, as we were kind of joking about a second ago. ProSize is for real. You can get him. At a pretty nice value. Yeah, it's interesting for me, too, because Lacey and Rawls are kind of competing with each other for that first and second and round. And Procise just has, role, has his own job. Where, yeah, Procise has the, basically he's their slot receiver and their third down running back. Yes. So he has that job, job all to himself. Yes. So, I mean, he's a very intriguing prospect. 
if you want to just get him on his own, and he's going at running back 44, just exactly. barely ahead of Tony's so role. It's almost so. like you could punt the whole problem to somebody else and just say, okay, I'm just going to take Procise. In a PPR league especially, Procise right. is going to catch he's going to catch 50 balls if he's right. not hurt. I mean, that's so that's, that's significant. Uh, the next one on the list, going one spot later, is Adrian Peterson, the <laughs> fantasy legend Adrian Peterson. Now with the New Orleans Saints, it's going to be very interesting to see how that goes because – as we've mentioned several times over, we'll the Minnesota up. Vikings uh, offensive line is just absolutely atrocious. Oh, yeah. They are horrendous. Oh, yes. And the fact that, I mean, going to any other offensive line basically makes him better, right? But now the fact you're going from playing with Sam Bradford to Drew Brees, that certainly helps you. You're playing on a competent offense. The issue I have with Adrian Peterson is the fact that when you look at the offensive styles and the team styles, really, in Minnesota, it was ground and pound, run the ball, and play defense, and win the game by running out the clock. Sean Payton doesn't do that. No, that's no, he not, doesn't. That's not the Saints. The Saints are throw it deep, run up the score, run the ball very rarely. Just ask Mark Ingram. This and it was still there, by the way. He's still... <laughs> exactly. Fair. It's not like – we keep bringing this up, too. The Saints and Sean Payton hate Mark Ingram with a fiery passion. In his rookie season, Mark Ingram borrowed $20 from Sean Payton and never yeah. paid it back. And Clearly. ever since then, Sean Payton has just had him in the doghouse. Like, he skipped a it. Christmas party or, like, a christening. I don't know what he didn't do or what's going on, but they hate him. He's being way overdrafted, by no. the way, Mark Ingram. That's yeah. a, he's not so even on I, this list. But my whole issue is if Mark Ingram over. didn't exist, Adrian sure. Peterson would be a very interesting prospect. Absolutely. But he does exist. Yes. It's the same issue of Eddie Lacy and Thomas Rawls. We don't know who's going to do what until the season starts, and everybody wants Adrian Peterson because of the name, because it's Adrian Peterson. And take it from me, I owned Mark Ingram last year. It's the most frustrating thing ever to watch Tim Hightower get up off his couch and show up on the field and start scoring touchdowns in NFL games when you're like, I'd be winning by 40 points if Mark Ingram was playing right now because I'd have six touchdowns. They move the ball so well, but I don't know who's going to get what, like to your point. And then there's the problem. Alvin Kamara exists there now. Yes, I couldn't think of the name. Thank you for that. I needed that. They're done with Traveris Cadet. He's going to play special teams now. That's been the knock on Peterson his whole career, too, is the fact that he's not on the field for third downs because he doesn't catch the ball. He can't catch. That's not anybody's fault but his. He can't catch. Stone hands. So when you put Adrian Peterson in the game, you know they're running the ball. And when you put Mark Ingram, at least he can catch. And yes, Alvin Kamara, you know true. it's a passing down. So you would think. the whole issue is Adrian Peterson has a very specific role on that team, and it's to run the ball. And I think everybody is going to know that. So I don't love Adrian Peterson going there. At 25, it's interesting to me. But like I said, I don't go full a zero RB. But for my own philosophy and strategy of build up on wide receivers and pass catchers, Adrian Peterson is just not going to do it for me if he's my number one or or even RB two at this point. He's more of a RB three flyer. Technically, he is an RB three at twenty five, but people are going to overdraft him from there. It's not realistic. The ADP suggests that in the last week it's been going up, but there are certain drafts, and this is where we always say no your league, because if you're sheriff Stephen Mai's view on it, he'll fall in the draft. So if he falls down to like RB30 or so, then I would actually kind of say, okay, well now let me think about that, because he is going to get a lot of goal line carries. 
he's going to be a part of an offense that moves the ball, and they hate Mark Ingram. Right. So he's going to get the benefit of all the, the spite touchdowns, as I'm going to call them, when they're on the goal line and Mark Ingram is pouting on the sideline. If he falls a little bit, I'm good with it. But at, at, at that current level, like you're talking about, no. Too high. Right now, he's going at 67 overall. Now, if I have, let's say, for example, David Johnson, if I have the top, David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell, if I'm in the top of the draft there somewhere, that's my RB1, who I know I can count on week in and week out. Yeah. You know you're and then I come back in the second round and get a good wide receiver. If I get a decent RB2 in the third round on that second wraparound, which would be somewhere in the... I'm trying to look up this real quick. Uh, somewhere in like the... This makes for a great podcast, too, by the way. Somewhere in the, like the Todd Gurley... DeMarco Murray, if that was to fall to me somehow in the third round range. So I had a solid two running backs at the top. And then all of a sudden in the sixth round, Adrian Peterson is sitting there as my potential flex or worst third running back. Absolutely. I'd be sitting there as a a weekly flex option. Exactly. There are going to be certain weeks where I guarantee you Adrian Peterson is going to have 35 points. And people are going to be like, that's so worth the dart throw. But to have him consistently in my starting lineup, yeah, no. I'm not at all comfortable with. No, no, I'm not interested in that. And that's where, unfortunately, in a lot of leagues, he will be drafted to be somebody's every week RB2. And I think that person's going to be real sad at the end of it. Uh, speaking of which, last year the touchdown champion in the league was LeGarrette Blunt, who had 18 touchdowns with the New England Patriots. What was the most frustrating part about owning LeGarrette Blunt last year, Neil? Having to watch LeGarrette Blunt play football. Exactly. He is not very good at football. He fell into the end zone accidentally 18 times because his quarterback is Tom Brady. If it were not for that, the yardage was horrendous. It was absolutely terrible. You might say he's a dumpster fire of a running back. Let's put that in there because we haven't used it yet this season, so I just wanted to throw it out there just to have it back out in the universe. Like I, I know, I'm sure people were missing it. Superfan Brian, for sure. Well, Brian's been sober for a surprisingly long time because we haven't been exactly. recording. Exactly. You gotta throw a dumpster fire out oh. there just for Brian to get drunk a little bit. We'll, work, we'll keep working him in. We'll keep working him Absolutely. in. Absolutely. Yeah, sorry about that, Brian. Anyway, LeGarrette Blunt, uh, the 27th running back currently coming off the board and RB3 in the 7th round. I'm not interested in any parts of LeGarrette Blunt. Even if I go down into like the mid 30s, I don't want any part of LeGarrette Blunt. I, he's not good at football. We've seen LeGarrette Blunt play other than New England. Remember when he went to Pittsburgh? Uh, Remember how horrible he was in Pittsburgh? So now he's going to the Eagles to be the primary back. I don't care he's the primary back. I don't care that he's going to get a ton of opportunity out there in Philadelphia. It doesn't matter. He's not good at football unless he's at the two-yard line falling into the end zone. In a New England Patriots jersey. Exactly. So I don't want any part of that. Drew Maggie writes a thing for Deadspin called Why Your Team Sucks. I highly recommend everyone read that because it's hilarious. But I'm going to borrow a joke from him, which was every time LeGarrette Blunt leaves New England, he magically gains 30 pounds. And that's all you need to know. He was so horrible with the Steelers that he quit part of the way through the season and then was yeah. re-signed by the Patriots. Just left the team. It just And then they cut him. He is not good at football. And I don't care. I don't want any part of it because there's no upside to LeGarrette There's Blunt. a reason there's, that there's nobody all wanted him until like after OTAs and the end of free agency, basically. Yeah. There's the reason it took so long for anyone to sign the guy because they know outside of the Patriots, it's just you no one knows. Like, he reminds me of Steven Jackson if Steven Jackson gained 20 pounds. Well, that's not fair, though, because Steven Jackson was good at football at one point. Yeah, what? At one point. That's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Outside of just like the one year. Okay. Well, you know what? Either way. 
You and I are both out on the Garrett Blunt, clearly. Absolutely. Like, yeah. there's no way at that price. Now, that being said, that could be one where you and I are wrong. Not because of, like, he's suddenly good at football, but because he gets 14 touchdowns with the Eagles somehow. Yeah, if it's the same thing. If the Eagles use him the same way, and he just falls into the end zone from the one-yard line. And they cut Ryan Matthews, so they just, I don't know what they're going to do. They, they, got, they got running back issues in, in Philly. The last three guys I have on the list are all 14th rounders going right after each other at 48, 49, and 50 in terms of running backs. It's Jaquiz Rogers, who re-signed to stay in Tampa, Latavius Murray, who signed to go to Minnesota from Oakland, and Jamal Charles, the biggest name of all, going to the yep. Broncos. Now, I'm just going to completely eliminate Charles unless you have something to say here because there's question about if he either makes the team or not. That's what I was going to say because it's my home market. There's a very real chance that Jamal Charles is not going to make this football team because they have a ton of good running backs and they got running backs in the draft that they like, that look like they're all going to make the team. Jamal Charles doesn't play special teams. He hasn't even been cutting in camp. He's going to not play in game two. He's going to play in game three and possibly in game four to see if he can make the roster. I would not necessarily be viewing Jamal Charles as the handcuff you want to C.J. Anderson. Right, this is another case where drafting closer to the actual start of the NFL season is much better because you'll know by the time you draft after cut day if Charles makes the team or not. And the whole reason I think he's going here now is because his name is Jamal Charles. Yes. Otherwise, I don't think anybody would take a flyer on what's basically the fourth running back on their depth chart. At this point, they like Stephen Ridley more than him because Stephen Ridley theoretically is going to try and play special teams. Yes, that's Stephen Ridley from the Jets from 2012 that was on his couch. I know, I'm shocked too. That's not even a fantasy zombie. That's a fantasy Bible story. That's like <laughs> that's like a resurrection story. Like that, That's ridiculous. Like No one comes back after that long. I'm, that's very rare. It's a Tim Hightower, Kurt Warner bag and grocery story. Latavius Murray, I just have never bought into... I'm, he's constantly injured. I don't think he's very good when he is on the field. And, you know, the the whole reason he played so well last year, remember, he finished as, I don't even remember, he was like top 20, wasn't he, last season? Yeah, but that's because running back is a joke right now. But, yes, well, injuries. Well, not only that, like that, but because the Raiders have, like, the top a top five offensive line, now yeah. he's going to that dumpster fire, there you go, Brian, in Minnesota that he's going to have to run behind that couldn't even make Adrian Peterson look good. As we talked about last week with Dalvin Cook, you can't even make Adrian Peterson be a good running back. So you want to tell me that Latavius Murray is going to be worth my time? Even as a 14th round pick, that's not worth it to me. The one that the only one that's actually interesting is Jaquiz Rogers, because for the first four weeks of the season with Doug Martin out, he's going to have the starting job all to himself. And the way that Dirk Cutter has brought in Jaquiz Rogers and loves to feed him the ball, even when Martin was on the field last year. I mean, this might be Quiz's job to lose. I view it as Quiz's job to lose because you haven't seen Doug Martin be able to do a whole lot. Even when he's been in, Doug Martin has not been good. So I don't think they want to hold on to Doug Martin. I think they're just waiting until the end of this season to get another running back on that team and go from there. Doug Martin is being drafted at, like, pick 100, and he's suspended. I see no value in that at all. Give me Quiz at this price. Because I get a starting running back for three to four games here. And the way Dirk Cutter gives Jaquiz Rogers the ball, and he loves Jaquiz Rogers. They have worked together at multiple stops across both of their careers. And we were joking about, is it possible that Jaquiz Rogers is actually Dirk Cutter's child? Is, that, is it actually his could kid? Be. We've, seen, we've seen Quiz be in other offenses that don't involve Dirk Cutter. Never looks anything as good 
is what Dirk Cutter is able to get out of him. So I had him off the waiver wire when I had some bye week things early in the season last year. He was fantastic because he got 30 touches a game. Right. I'll take anybody if they're going to get 30 touches a game, especially when like 12 of them were receptions. So he is the only one that I'm interested in as well at a value at that price. And there's no need to own Doug Martin to go along with it. To go back to what you were saying, Doug Martin currently is going as uh, running back 40 at 117 overall. So he's just ahead of Rodgers. He has dipped slightly, but... He has gone down. uh, Yeah, for the most part, I think of the two of them, Quiz is definitely the Tampa Bay running back I want. And I think you could get Doug Martin at a value in the regular season at some point if that was something you actually were interested in. But I think Quiz is actually, like you said, it's his job to lose at this point. I believe you want to go under some sort of scientific device. Oh, I thought you had something else there. No, No, that was it. Running back. We nailed it, man. Okay, well, yeah, then that's the most awkward segue ever. But yes, for uh, for wide receivers, we're going to go under the microscope. Under the microscope. A microscope is an optical instrument used to magnify objects. Under the microscope. Simple as they are, the microscope is no toy. Under the microscope, into the friendship zone. Under the microscope. The Under the Microscope intro, by far the most popular part of last week's podcast. I mean, people love it. It's fantastic. I love it, too. It's my favorite part. And it's so good. Ah, Sometimes I'll just be sitting in here by myself and just listen to that on an endless loop over and over again. Just like, yeah, let's go under that microscope. (laughs) So we're going to kick off wide receivers like we mentioned earlier with the Patriots' new toy. It's Brandon Cooks, who's currently going as wide receiver 13, uh, 28 overall. So you're looking at early third round if you want use some of Brandon Cooks. Neil, I'm out on the Brandon Cooks show. What are you? uh, What are you saying? Stay away. Far, far away. When was the last time that the Patriots had a reliable 1,000-yard receiver? Oh, wait. Randy Moss. Yep. So that's the comparison that's been thrown around all over radio and ESPN. That's what I believe would need to happen to justify owning Brandon Cooks that high. Here's my most fascinating stat of the summer. Like, I've heard a lot of stuff all year long, and I've read a lot of things all year long. And the most fascinating thing that I've read is the fact that Brandon Cooks has never in his life played in a game that was less than 55 degrees. I also read that, and it is, that it is, is amazing. absurd. It's amazing. Obviously, he played with the Saints, so he was in a dome all the time. But it, just being from the South, he has never once played in a game that was 55 degrees or colder. That's crazy and now he's playing eight of his games in foxborough yeah good luck with that so uh, to, to be taking him as your number one wide receiver he's currently going as 13 so technically he's going a wide receiver a, a wide receiver two but the price you have to pay to get him no it, it's certainly not worth it in my and what you're hoping for before. is that he's a wide receiver one in disguise and you've fleeced some people potentially but everything has to go right perfectly for that to happen. And as we've said every single season, unless your name is Rob Gronkowski, you have no idea what you are getting out of a New England Patriot. It doesn't matter if it's a wide receiver, running back, other tight end, whatever. 
unless his name is Gronk, you cannot rely on that guy week in and week out. I mean, unless it's Tom Brady too. But other yeah, than Tom that. Brady. But let's go into Tom Brady since we're since we're under the microscope. We'll go into Tom Brady now. You can go and look at Tom Brady and how he's... Don't just adjust his, my microscope like that. Who do you think you are? My God. I think I'm co-hosting this show, so I'm going I'm to come over there and adjust it. So you look at Tom Brady, and then look at him as he's gotten older as a quarterback. His out-of-the-pocket numbers now aren't good. He has to be in that clean pocket all the time. And they can get it for him because they've got a pretty good offensive line, and they know right. what he likes. So they can get him usually pretty good. But when he, has, he gets chased out of the pocket, watch what Denver does to him. When Von Miller comes screaming around and they don't account for it all the way and he has to run outside, he can't throw. He can't do that little Mitch Trubisky throw that we saw in week one anymore. He doesn't have that as nearly like he used to. I'm sure he can still do it, but when the, the headlights come flying and you know you just have to run for your life, it's not as easy as all that. And then there's also the idea that he can't throw the ball longer than 25 yards anymore. Yeah, that's where I was going to go. He does not throw the ball downfield anymore. That's why and that was a big part of Brandon Cook's game in New Orleans yeah. was the downfield threat. Drew Brees can still throw those 25-yard teardrops down the sideline. I watched Tom Brady try and do it, and it's not nearly as good anymore. It used to be a part of his game. It just isn't anymore. Now, and you talk about guys that we're completely out on. Alshon Jeffrey, <laughs> currently wide receiver this? 15, we just move 31 on? overall. He's just barely behind Brandon Cooks in eight. Already hurt. Already and hurt. That's my favorite part. Constantly hurt. Already hurt. Constantly hurt. And he's in a new offense in a new city. Like, granted, Wentz is an upgrade. The offense sure. itself is an upgrade. But you can't rely on the guy for more than 12 games a season. You just can't. You know our hatred of Alshon Jeffrey from being Bears fans. But yeah. the fact that Alshon Jeffrey now going to a new team, new situation, and I have to pay at wide receiver 15 to get him? Pass. Someone else, someone else will be interested long before I ever get to it. I, Especially because it's going to be so much fun to watch him on your IR slot all year as the Eagles try and fumble to learn to throw the football. I mean, I think I already Jordan Matthews. I'm sure it's on this list somewhere. But like it, so there's that. You know, he's kind of by himself again out there. But no, I want no part of this. I want no part of what it goes into owning Alshon Jeffrey. Someone else can deal with the injury headache. Uh, Terrell Pryor last year was one of the uh, was one of the big surprises in Cleveland having a big year. Now he's moved on to Washington. Another one year prove it deal like Jeffrey did. Thought he'd get paid more than he actually did. But he goes to Washington where there's a ton of targets up for grabs. He's a big red zone body, which they were desperately in need of. He's currently going at wide receiver 16, 32 overall, literally one spot behind Alshon Jeffrey. If you're giving me one or the other, give me Terrell Pryor all day, every day. Uh, taking him as a wide receiver too, again, give me Terrell all day, every day. But taking him that high is too rich for my blood. Well, in our league, in the Golden League, you won't have this opportunity because this is a keeper for Brian. I promise you it would be madness, I think, to not keep Terrell Pryor for where he's able to have him. But, yeah, if you're comparing strictly between Alshon Jeffrey, I 100% agree with you. That high, I'm much more comfortable with Terrell Pryor if I have to make that mm-hmm. choice. If I'm in sure. a league like the one we're going to talk about more for you next week where it's three wide receivers and I have to make that choice probably because he's going to go that high, that's fine. Give me Terrell Pryor because Jordan Reed in and out of the lineup, there's so many targets for that offense they can't they're, they're gonna try and run the ball i don't know if they're gonna have any success with it so i think it's gonna be kirk cousins hucking it 
you know, like most years. But I think we're going to be more interested now that we're moving further down the list. I think this is where you're going to start seeing us not just poo-pooing people. <laughs> I made this list last week, and I updated it slightly. I did leave one out, so the list you have is slightly off. The Sammy Watkins deal that you yeah. alluded to earlier. Yep. Uh, Sammy Watkins got traded to the Rams, and on the exact same day, like five minutes later, the the uh, the Bills replaced him with Jordan Matthews from Philly, which I love the move for Buffalo. It gives them a more reliable guy. As I've said, Jordan Matthews is basically what they always wanted Sammy Watkins to be, a big threat in the red zone who can catch the ball and run with it. It's what they always wanted Sammy Watkins to be, and Watkins could never stay on the field to become that. So I, I think they basically jump-started their whole receiving core by making this move. It was a bold move for them to do. For the Rams, they get another project constantly hurt wide receiver with Jared Goff. So it's just Rams football being Rams football. Currently, Sammy is going as wide receiver 28, which is 57 overall. I've seen him going actually as high as 50 in a lot of places. Yeah, he's dropped 20 slots since the trade. So, uh, I mean, it's understandable because he's going to the Rams offense. But at the same time, Sammy Watkins going 28 is about where I believe he should be because of his risk, because of the built-in injury risk with him. That makes him a wide receiver three. And again, if I've got two solid wide receivers ahead of him and I don't have to rely on him week in and week out, he's a great upside play if you can get him there as your third wide receiver. Otherwise, I don't want any part of Sammy Watkins in my starting lineup. I agree with you. If I can get Sammy Watkins to be a flex, I'm interested. Because then I can pair him with the other move that happened in the offseason, which I'm sorry for skipping, but we'll just take it now. Robert Woods from the Bills also Mm -hmm. is now on the Rams. Right. So that's their two receiver. So those two guys are playing together again because it's just hilarious Mm -hmm. to me that those two guys can never escape each other, it seems like. so. How pissed off are you if you're Robert Woods? Oh, my God. I'm I'm finally away from that guy, and then I just signed this three-year contract to get away from this dude, and now all of a sudden I got to deal with him again. The specter of Sammy Watkins is back over Robert Woods' career. And if I'm Sammy, I'm not happy about it either. Because yeah. now, obviously, because I didn't want this. Like, I didn't want this, Robert. <laughs> this wasn't my decision, okay? This just happened. But it, it does make sense for, for the Rams' perspective because they need wide receiver talent in the worst way because now their third mm-hmm. receiver is Tavon Austin, which makes so much more sense to me because he's kind of the, always going to be that gadget guy. He's never really going to be a full receiver, I don't think. Yeah, and just so we can cut it out later, too, uh, Robert Woods going undrafted currently. Since the Sammy Watkins trade, he's dropped 29 spots. And see, that's where I was going with this anyway, because I think Uh, that's wrong. Yeah, exactly. Because now if I can get Sammy Watkins to be my flex, I'm actually interested in Robert Woods again. For the exact same reason that I've always been interested in Robert Woods. He's a competent football player. I was interested in Robert Woods because he was basically the number one in L.A. That's why I was interested that in Robert Woods. Time, but now he's not that anymore. Now he's almost the Sammy Watkins handcuff again. He's somehow become that guy again, which sucks for him. But that's so kind of where I... your Rams depth chart then. My Rams depth chart is Watkins, Woods, Austin, Cooper Cup. Why I would want Woods is because when Sammy Watkins inevitably hurts his leg again, I now have the guy I wanted in Robert Woods, but I can have him at the end of the draft or off waivers if I want. But what? So what you're saying is on an everyday basis, on an every game basis, I should say, you're going to have Watkins on the left and Woods on the right. And if Watkins goes down, Woods becomes the number one, right? Yes, that's my theory. Okay, so then why wouldn't you just want Woods because he's always there? 
whereas the handcuff may actually be Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup, who you could also look at later on. Mm-hmm. It's all theoretical because we haven't seen him take one snap as a team. I'm really going to be looking forward to the third preseason game because yeah. by then Watkins is going to play and we'll get some sense of this. Yeah, my theory is based on where they are, Sammy Watkins is a good flyer as a third run or a third wide receiver. Sure. But if, the if upside... he's not my third wide receiver and someone takes him early, that's fine because if I can get. Robert Woods basically for free. If I can get him off waivers... Oh, you'll get Robert Woods off waivers, is my theory. I don't know how many people are going to be looking at him. If I can get Robert Woods off waivers, who is potentially, like you said, going to be 16 games in there every single play, whether it's as the number two or the number or the one, either way, he's a massive target in that offense. It's possible. I'd rather have Robert Woods because I can rely on him as opposed to Sammy Watkins. That's all fair. So my question is, I don't know now how the target share works. Because Tavon right. Austin commands a certain amount of the target share. Yeah, but he's the slot guy. I know, but he, they're going to give him the ball X amount because they always do. Whether he's yeah. the slot guy, and he's get, but he gets those design screens. He gets the pitch outs. I don't know. That's why I'm saying I have so many questions about this offense that it kind of lowers everybody. But there is mm-hmm. that's why I wanted to talk about it because there is value to all of it, though. Because sure. there's inherent risk in it. Sammy Watkins is a great flyer for all the reasons we went into. Robert Woods has value on his own. He might be one of the best waiver ads you make all year. And then I don't want to own Tavon Austin because I never want to own Tavon Austin. No, yeah. And then Cooper Cup also represents a waiver wire value maybe week six or seven or something like that because somebody will get hurt, you know, inevitably. And then, boom, he's in there. And he's looked great in the preseason game and in camp. So I'm just saying, like, the the Rams are going to get underdrafted because the Rams are a terrible offense. Yes. They don't pass the ball well. But this year, because of that, I think there is value baked into all of it. And then – are you? Are we not going to talk about Jordan Matthews again, right? I mean, we. You were planning on it. I just want to say one thing about Jordan Matthews because you and I see that very differently. I think it's a good move for the Bills, but I'm not really interested in Jordan Matthews because of chip sternum injury that he's already taken, and that's going to mm-hmm. be like eight weeks, I bet. So he should fall very far. So Jordan Matthews, when he is the one on the Bills and is starting, yes, but he also has been hurt a lot throughout his career and early in his career. He's cleaned it up a lot lately. Early in his career, he had massive drops issues. So I'm a little bit more tepid on Jordan Matthews than I than what I took from you when you were going through it. Sure, yeah. I mean, right now, Matthews is going as the 48th wide receiver, 140 overall. So, I mean, he's another guy that you can get right at the end of the draft as pretty much a flyer. And my whole theory was at that point when you're on your bench, I'm looking for upside. And Jordan Matthews is a guy that could be a solid RB, too as the number one on that team when he's right. The issue is just getting him right. And, and yeah. so at this he's point, never I a guy draft. I would build around, but he's a guy that I would love to stash on my bench to hold for later in the year. That's too long on my bench. So for me, he would never survive that. I think I'd cut him because I make so many roster moves at some point because he wouldn't be returning what I need to make. Yeah, you do get pretty handsy with your roster. You can't. I do. I do. I don't think he would make it long enough in my world to want to hold on to him. So, okay, fair enough. We're just going to see that different. Uh, Brandon Marshall going to the Giants. He, uh, He gets Eli Manning as probably... I mean, I don't know. Can you really argue is Eli Manning probably has to be the best quarterback he's ever worked with, right? I I think so. I is there I'm any a, doubt I'm, about that? I'm struggling to think of a better because it's not Jay I mean, Cutler, and I'm sorry, let's look Bears at it. fans. He had he had Jay Cutler, right? Which I and think was the had, second best quarterback he ever and had. And then he had Tannehill, and then he went back to Cutler, and then he yep, got traded right. to the Jets and had that horrendous the dumpster mess, fire the mess that tanked his season and now he's got eli manning on the giants and the yeah, issue with go. the giants yeah. has always been 
they have one guy and never anyone on the other side. It was always Plexico Burris, Plexico Burris, Plexico Burris. Then he retires, and all of a sudden they get Odell. And now they've got Odell and no one else on the other side. Well, it looked like Sterling Shepard was finally going to be the guy. (laughs) Yeah, but it looks like he's a a slot guy. And he he was always built for the slot. It was just they couldn't get anyone on the outside. They kept trying to force-feed Hakeem Nix out there, and that wasn't going to work. So they have a red zone target because their tight ends have been awful. So they finally have a red zone target in Brandon Marshall for a team that loves to throw the ball when they're down there in the red zone. Don't give me Larry Janelle, all right? No, ask, I just go, God, that's mostly ask Kevin thing. McCarthy about that's Larry Janelle. That's a dig Janelle, for Kevin McCarthy okay? when he listens to this later. That's, that's mostly just for Kevin McCarthy for when he listens yeah. to this because I know he's out there. Yeah, Larry so Janelle. Brandon Marshall finally gives them a red zone threat be, they've been desperately in need of other than Odell. I think it opens up the field for both guys. I think right now he's going wide receiver 30. That's incredible value. I would take that all day. This is where, I, like I said, I was thinking we were finally going to get to where we're not going to be poo-pooing guys. 100% agree with this on the Brandon Marshall. That is the absolute right spot for where I want to draft him. He's going to be my third receiver. He's going to be my every week flex. He's going to get a, a, just so many red zone targets. Pierre Garçon is the next one going to San Francisco who has been a PPR monster in his career especially when he's been in Kyle Shanahan's offense. He was you know, going over with Kyle Shanahan, had his best season of his career when Shanahan was his offensive coordinator in Washington a few years back. Now they're reunited in San Francisco. The quarterback play is the biggest question for me with Pierre Garçon. However, that being said, he's going at wide receiver 33 in the seventh round. I think that's decent enough value for Pierre Garçon that he could turn into a wide receiver two for you you know, without really blinking an eye. He, he's got that kind of upside and talent with the amount of targets he's going to get in that offense. Remember last year when Jeremy Curley was relevant? No. For, okay, well, you, if you were paying attention, I'm like, Steve, <laughs> Jeremy Curley was the only guy. You mean the, the three the weeks he was relevant from, like, before he got five hurt. through before seven? He, yeah. yeah, before he got hurt and all that stuff. Pierre Garçon is the, that's the same argument. He's going to get all the targets for the most part. He's going to get a lot of them. And it's Shanahan offense. It's paint by numbers. You're hoping he's a wide receiver too. If he's he's going to be a good flex for you potentially, I would be very interested in Garcon. Despite the Niners going out and signing all the Bears retread quarterbacks in the off season. The biggest prize of the off season in terms of wide receivers was Deshaun Jackson going to Tampa Bay. Not so much for his value, but because of the value of Jameis Winston and Mike Evans. They jumped up significantly because it gave him more options on that offense than just hey, constantly throw the ball at Mike Evans in triple coverage. So it gives him a deep threat. It gives him another legitimate wide receiver. And this is where Deshaun Jackson lands every year. Wide receiver 35, 81 in the seventh round. This is right where he deserves to be because he's always a huge ceiling, low floor guy. You know, four catches for 150 yards and two touchdowns or one catch for five yards, and you get basically nothing out of him. So this is exactly where he should be, right in this dart throw, wild card, lottery ticket range. Uh, it's where I'd like to draft Deshaun Jackson if I wanted him. I personally never take the guy, just because I'd rather have the consistency. But to have him as, like I said, this lottery ticket, high upside area, this is right where he should be drafted. I agree. Correct spot for him. He'd be a serviceable flex. In a standard league, I'm much more interested than I am Mm -hmm. in a PPR league, as per always. In a standard league, Deshaun as a rotating flex, fabulous. In PPR, meh, not 
really interested. Jeremy Macklin, after being cut by the Chiefs in the offseason, signed with the Ravens and becomes their de facto number one wide receiver in the Steve Smith role. Now, Steve Smith was a legitimate fantasy option the last couple of years before getting hurt. So now Macklin kind of fills in for that. The issue is how's Flacco feeling? How's the rest of that offense going to function? I mean, Ravens in general, their offense is never that great, in my opinion. So I'm not too high on Jeremy Macklin. He's currently going as wide receiver 36, which puts him right on the edge of wide receiver 4 territory. So this is now bench, guys. This is really down there. And even still, I'm not too high on Jeremy Macklin for an eighth-round pick. But if you feel there's a lot of upside there for you, go for it. I just don't see it with Jeremy Macklin. Best part about Jeremy Macklin's new contract is that he gets free crab cakes for life from this restaurant in Baltimore. Yeah. That's really my only note on Jeremy Macklin. I mean, that's, I mean, I'm the not, man loves crab cakes. You can't argue with that. I, if I was him, I'd have every family function at that restaurant for the <laughs> remainder of time. I would make them really regret signing that contract. From a football perspective, obviously, it's Jeremy Macklin. I mean, we'll see what he has left in the tank. I'm not really interested for an eighth-round pick. I think there are other guys that, that are going in that area that present better upside yeah speaking of eighth round picks i'm more interested in this one surprises me eric decker going in the eighth round 38th wide receiver 95 overall give me every single bit of that i mean he's in a new offense with a new quarterback new system i get that but we were all wondering oh well you know he was in denver was it just a fluke in denver was it just peyton manning and then he goes to the jets and he's relevant with the jets and it's like oh well this guy's legit and then now he gets injured with the jets coming off of that injury you have a question mark about it because you know it's a bunch of new pieces coming together the issue with the titans has always been they want to pass the ball but they don't have anyone to pass it to other than delaney walker eric decker gives them that big reliable target they've been looking for all along and i think this is a good solid fit for him despite richard matthews despite you know the whole Corey davis thing i think eric decker of the three of them he's the wide receiver i'm most interested in from the titans i think this is incredible value here in the eighth round that would be my every week flex i mean that's a roster construction thing it, mm-hmm. it just there's so many scenarios where in mock dress i keep ending up with eric decker i love him at that price he's also what i would consider in many ways to be the mendoza line of receivers this year because it kind of goes off a cliff a little bit mm-hmm. consistency wise but decker from a ppr love it in a standard league i may be a little bit less optimistic about this but in a ppr league give me every bit of it because they can't just double cover delaney walker anymore either it's just a question of i don't know what that new target distribution looks like but what i do know is that both delaney walker and eric decker are professionals and have shown on at various stages of their career that they can get open in the red zone so having both of them there i think that's that's going to make the titans a much more potent offense in the 10th round kenny Britt going to cleveland now a lot of people have drawn the comparison of kenny Britt had a decent year last year with L.A. He had an okay year. He was, I think, like in the wide receiver three range somewhere in there. Also, you know, Terrell Pryor gone. Britt basically fills that Pryor role. So for him to be going in the 10th round, wide receiver 43, I think that's decent value for him. Again, now we're in dart throw territory. This is all lottery tickets. So if you believe that what Terrell Pryor last year can be repeated, especially by a guy like Kenny Britt, by all means, go for it. For me, it's something I'm not interested in just because every time I've tried to rely on Kenny Britt, it's burned me. So <laughs> I, I'm not, I, just for my own personal sake, I'm not interested in Kenny Britt. 
until I see that offense be any better, unless your name is Isaiah Crowell, I'm not interested in the Cleveland Browns offense. So I just don't want any part of Kenny Britt this season. I like Kenny Britt fine, just not at 113. Where are you more comfortable at then if you don't want him at 113? Uh, you'd have to knock him down to probably about the 130s, and then I'd be much more inclined to be taking it. Because to your point, there's not a small sample size on Kenny Britt anymore. Anytime right. you want to count on it, it lets you down. I've seen a lot of broken fantasy dreams crushed by Kenny Britt. And people remember the, like, three good games he's had in his career where he catches, like, sure. three touchdowns. But there's a very real chance Brock the Lobster is going to be your starting quarterback in Cleveland. That, oh boy, they demoted Cody Kessler. Know. You keep trying to push that on me, but I, I keep hearing everywhere that he's on the roster bubble. He still might get cut. It's possible. There's, you, you never know with Cleveland right now. They're crazy. Exactly. That's any number of things could, could be I happening. I can't rely on any of it. I don't know any – I don't want any of it. It's kind of like why I don't really want any Jets wide receivers. It, it just – Who's your quarterback? I don't. I can't even know if it's good or bad. I can deal with bad. I'm willing to look at Rams guys for God's sake. Their mm-hmm. quarterback play is going to be terrible, but I know that going in, so I can evaluate it in some sort of vacuum like thing yeah. for Brian. You know, if such a thing was to exist, but I can't do that with them because I don't even know who your quarterback is. The rest of these guys are basically off the radar as undrafted picks. We have Torrey Smith, who signed with the Eagles. His role kind of improves here, don't you think, because of the Matthews move? I guess, but I hate—I don't want to own Torrey Smith in fantasy football. I've been burned by I that. I don't, so many but times. right now he's basically going undrafted, so Good. it's almost a waiver. I'll leave him, I'll, and I'll leave him there because I've been burned by that so many times that I'm never going back to that well again. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's. Look, it's like I said, it might be worth a flyer. He's wide receiver 61. Right I now. like the guy that we're going to get to next. Kenny Stills? Yes, I would prefer Kenny Stills because he fits the mold of the kind of guy who can run down the field with his arms straight up that Jay Cutler loves to hurl the ball to over and over again. Yeah, I mean, but Jay Cutler loves to throw the ball down there. He just never hits him. Like, one out of five, he'll hit the guy downfield. <laughs> but he's going to do 15 a game. Like, it, <laughs> But no, that was that's the point I was that's making what, earlier when we were talking about Jay Cutler. Is, yeah, the Adam Gase came in and gave him the dip and dunk the stuff. Dip and dunk, yeah, and that's that. what they did the whole second half of last year when Kenny Stills became irrelevant. So, to me, I think undrafted is the perfect spot for Kenny Stills because nobody should own him. i put him right down there with Torrey Smith. Just The one that's boggling my mind, like, what what does the world know that I don't about Brandon LaFell? He, right now, he's going outside, completely undrafted. He is wide receiver 85, re-signed with the Bengals as their number two receiver, now, granted, part of it was the fact that A.J. Green went down and he became their de facto number one, but he was wide receiver 36 last year. He was a wide receiver three in that same exact offense. I know they drafted John Ross to essentially take that over, but he's going right. to be the slot guy. and He's also already hurt. You've got A.J. Green back healthy. I just don't understand the hate for Brandon LaFell for a guy that's going completely undrafted off the board out of the universe at 85. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's well worth a last-round flyer or, hell, even a first-round waiver pickup if you want Brandon LaFell. I mean, the, if anything to me, what this says is if you've got A.J. Green in the first round, and you can get Brandon LaFell in the 16th round when you know that given what happened last year, Andy Dalton loves to throw the ball that direction no matter who it is. 
give me Brandon LaFell to handcuff AJ Green. That was all I had to say about Brandon LaFell is that yeah. he, he has no value to me outside of if I own AJ Green. If I own AJ Green, if you don't buy into his time, his talent as an individual player by himself, a handcuff to AJ Green for an undrafted pick to get yeah, him that's, off waivers for free. That's where that's I value. Insane to me. I'm not drafting Brandon LaFell even if I own AJ Green. However, after the draft or uh, you know going into week one, if I have anybody that's like borderline on my roster, they're gone, and I'm taking Brandon LaFell just in case because I know what I'm going to get out of the Bengals and Brandon LaFell. But yeah, I don't want Brandon LaFell. I wouldn't take him unless I own AJ Green. You know what I mean? Like it's not, there's not enough value there to me to go ahead and say. I will stash you, Brandon LaFell, for when A.J. Green inevitably gets hurt. I guess you could, but I think there are other flyers that I would rather stash. Yeah, certainly. Yep. Before that. No. Yeah, my whole point was he's just the obvious handcuff to A.J. Green. Sure. And it's, I don't understand why nobody's in on that. So. And John Ross is already hurt, and I still I still keep seeing him get drafted. We didn't talk about his adjusted ADP because he's still, like, right there and it's like what what do you what do you guys know that i don't know about john ross's leg he's fast that's it i know he's fast fast. man like you gotta be kidding me here so that's it for our uh our veteran recap of the off season so now we got rookies and veterans in the book you know i mean we 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 covered it all really so we're clipping along we'll be uh we'll be going through our, our nfl season preview we'll be going through our predictions of everything in the nfl so i'm looking forward to that and uh, for, for all those of you that are just inter- interested in our NFL news, that concludes this podcast for you at this point. But for those of you that are uh, completely interested in sticking around, please do for our Golden League update. We have uh, some some news on Neil's first In a Vacuum post we had earlier, the first article of In a Vacuum. Very, very excited about that. So, uh, again, you can follow me on Twitter at Nonsense underscore Steve. You can follow Neil at nonsense underscore Neil. Eventually, I promise he will post something, and then you can follow us both Bye. on Bye the, the Fantasy Life so app at uh, Important Nonsense. So uh, for those of you sticking around, here comes the Golden League update. just beautifully teased three seconds ago uh neil released the first in a vacuum article of the year and of all time this uh couple of days ago so neil why don't you walk us through a little bit of what that is the best values of the uh the 2017 keeper class absolutely so what i did was we've been talking about it on the podcast for quite a while that this is the first year that we're gonna let people trade Picks for players in the offseason. What? It is? I probably should have read the Constitution. (sighs) Well, considering that all of Steve's emails, I'm sure, go to spam for like 80% of you. (laughs) No doubt about that. Uh, Yeah, read the Constitution. He puts a lot of work into that, and it actually really cuts down on a lot of the cleanup work that he and I have to do. So I I agree. Please read that. Uh, That being said, we are doing that. We are going to have the window is actually live right now for people to go trade players for draft picks. And I went through and went through every single roster for every team and compiled just two really simple lists that I've put in a table on this article. And the left column is all players that can be kept for a 16th round value that you would have to, if you wanted to redraft that player in the actual draft, you'd have to spend considerably more than that to get them. 
And then the right side of the table is just players that are more, it tends to be more veterans. It's players that have an average draft position that is uh, usually significantly kind of up the, up the scale a little bit from, uh, from even the guys that are super values. But yeah, these are all guys that are being kept not at a 16th round value, at a value higher than that. So the best way to use the table is just kind of think of what your keepers are going to be. I'm sure most of you have some sort of idea by now what you're going to do, at least one of them. And But there's always room to improve, and the nice thing is you could use this information a couple different ways. So in the article I actually detailed out one example is just Kevin Sandman needs a second keeper. He's kind of stuck on his roster. So I know he's looking at a couple different options on this list from probably the left side of the table to float some offers out here in the next week as we get closer to the keeper lock date, which is coming up. And he's going to go that direction to acquire a keeper that he can keep later on. The other way to do it is to be Steve or myself, who, because no one listens to us. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, yeah, because no one listens. We, we, we went and loaded up at the end of last year after we were eliminated on players that we were evaluating for keepers for ourselves. But because of that, we have more than we can keep. And many of these guys are guys that you'd have to spend like a sixth to a ninth round pick on. So they definitely have a good chunk of value there. Right. And then if you're just looking at Steve in general, he's got six names on this list. He's he's loaded. He's he's the obvious answer for someone to go talk to about just I don't know what I want. What do you what do you want to talk about? The other fun one real quick is just for the defending champ and for people that, you know, are have quote unquote punted their season and have a bunch of front run picks. Uh, not everybody's going to get to pick at four, you know, every year moving forward. We're going to we're going to make sure <laughs> that doesn't keep happening. So there's always the option that you could take a look at, say, like Tony's roster. These guys are guys that didn't make the list necessarily, but guys like A.J. Green, Le'Veon Bell that are going to hit the market. And if you had two first round picks, you could actually contact them like Flynn could and make an offer for Le'Veon Bell, for example, who you will not be getting redrafting next year because you'd probably be picking at eight more than likely so just a handy little table for everybody to kind of look at as they're making decisions coming up yeah the best way i thought to look at it was uh just taking an example from the table you posted just uh, like tony having Dak prescott like currently as you said he's being drafted in about the sixth round on average and uh, he can be kept for a 16th rounder because tony picked him up off waivers so if i was in need of a, a quarterback, or if I was in need of a keeper, rather, and I was interested in keeping Dak Prescott at a reduced price, I mean, I could go to Tony and say, hey, look, Tony, I'll give you a 10th round pick, you know, for, for Dak Prescott, you just give me your, uh, you know, 16th round pick, or your, you know, yeah, 16th round pick back, whatever, and then basically, I still pick in the 16th round, even though I kept Dak in the 16th round, and then... I basically kept Dak Prescott, who's going in the sixth, for a tenth round pick. So I still get him at a value. Tony improves by getting a second tenth round pick, and, and you know I've I've got a decent keeper I believe in that I got at a discounted price. So it, it's a way that you know two teams can really benefit each other. Absolutely, that's the whole thing. It kind of just gives people more options, especially because as we have it set up now, a lot of people you know when your season's over, you start fire sailing your team. So this way, you're not married to having to overpay to keep something good or being stuck having to keep mm -hmm. something that you really don't want. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like another one is, um, just to use the other example, the non-16th round 
uh, would be Brian with, you know, Michael Thomas. He's got uh, Michael Thomas, who he could keep in the eighth round. And Michael Thomas, I've seen go in the first round of some drafts, but his ADP says second round. So He's it's, going 15 on aggregate, but I am seeing him going as high as 11, 12. Yeah. Some people really so, I mean, believe in Mike Thomas. It's a huge upside to get Mike Thomas in the eighth round. So if I was to go to Brian and say, look, I want Michael Thomas, who's going to potentially be a first-round pick I can get in the fourth round, you know, I'll give you a fourth-round pick for your eight. And like I said, again, he, he moves up from eight to four, and I draft Michael Thomas in the fourth round instead of having to spend my first or second-round pick on him. It's It's a huge value for both sides of it. Yeah, there's still enough meat on that bone to where it makes sense to do the move. So, like, there's there's a lot of different – and then also, too, if you were targeting Drew Brees, for example, to know mm. that you had Mike Thomas if you subscribed to that philosophy of pairing quarterback and one wide receiver. Just as a note for the table, I did note it on the actual table itself, but if you're not looking at that, uh, anybody that's highlighted in yellow is somebody I believe that would be on the radar of the current team that they're on as a keeper for that team. So I'm on there. I have Matt Ryan. Uh, and Martavis Bryant, who I am, I can't keep them both, but they are both on my radar. So just, but I have had some, a couple, I will admit, I've had a couple tentative offers on Martavis Bryant already. I want winners. That's right. I want some winners. They want some winners. So yes, it's a, uh, it's a real good article. Highly recommended. You can find that at importantnonsense.com. It's in the in a vacuum section and, uh, it's also on the league page right now it's on the the headline because it's one of the newer articles posted you can also find that directly through our posts on the fantasy life app if uh if that's the medium you are listening to us from so uh yeah neil good work on the article yeah and uh, i look forward to seeing the uh what comes out next week from you and me as well because i'm still working on that too so yep i already know i'm already mostly done it's gonna be entertaining yeah so like i said next week is gonna be our complete nfl preview so I'm excited for that, mostly to hear what, what you have to say, because I already know what I have to say in my own <laughs> dink and dunk head. So, uh, yeah, that's going to be good. So I'm looking forward to that. And then uh, remember next weekend, not this weekend, but next weekend for the Golden League is uh, the keeper deadline. We pushed it back one week to try to give people more time to look at potential trades and moves if they want to do that. The actual keeper deadline is August 27th at 12 a.m. Eastern. So one more time, August 27th at 12 a.m. Eastern, Tony. Right. Which essentially means <laughs> for Central Standard Time players, that's 11 p.m. on Saturday. Yes. So yes. you have to make your decisions Which can by be then. Very confusing, I know. I know. And but it's 10 o'clock so. for me. I know. It's even more. I know. And to, but to be honest, it, it, most people I think will will have it all taken care of. It's just yeah, obviously if you got a problem and you're not around, text Steve, text me, please. Don't make us hunt you down. We would greatly appreciate it. I would much rather mm-hmm. get 12 texts than have to send 16 texts. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, appreciate everybody making sure they get their keepers in locked in, Can so we don't have to. Do. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> that really sums it up. So uh, yep, that'll be good. We're looking forward to that. And, uh, Neil, thank you again. So uh, I will be talking to you next week. Use the trade block that we built into the important nonsense, all right? We did. A, we spent a lot of time on that. We got a lot of requests for it. Use it. It's in there. It's built into the website. And everybody have a great week. And uh, to all of our uh, loyal listeners out there, thank you once again. Be sure to keep using the website, importantnonsense.com. Comment any questions. Hit us up on Twitter or the Fantasy Life app. And until then, everybody, just keep up the nonsense. 
music for the Important Nonsense Podcast was provided by Lee Rosebeer and Lane Genie. Thank you for listening. Be sure to keep up with the latest content on importantnonsense.com.